this is Conspiranormal. You were asking about the books in the background. Yeah, I said, is that all? He heard me. Is that all the uh, references from uh, chapter one? I, I, actually, those are the ones I still have to read to finish the last bit of volume oh. two. So those are still on deck. I got to read soon. We were wondering if that was all the so after was the, was, was the Kama Sutra. After all that, since you're participating in the Pizza Hut Book It program like we did in the the 90s and 80s, maybe you'll get a, a free child size personal pan pizza. Yeah. You know, I don't think they had anything that cool. We we had a chain called Burger Queen, which I think it made it to Nashville. <laughs> Burger Queen? Burger Queen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, That's man. a big deal. Who came it, first, the, the it, queen or the king? Uh, I think, well, the king was like, well, it was close. The queen was, or Burger King was like, what, mid-60s? And Burger Queen was probably late 60s. Oh, but okay. Burger Queen had Queenie Bee and uh, real greasy double cheeseburgers, and they had real scaggy-looking chicken that looked like scab on a bone, and they just left it in the, like, like the little heat light in the front. But it was big all through Kentucky and through, um, I think it got down to Nashville. But what would happen is they would, uh, this is weird with this camera up here. I had this other camera at eye level. But um, what they would do is go into rural areas and nothing else was there to eat. So, yeah. I mean, they really got the rural market. But um, they also were the first ones to start a salad bar. And they had like this little tiny small island in the middle when you got like a styrofoam plate and you had salad and some like, like fried zucchini and stuff like that. And that was a novelty. No one had ever seen all you can eat. And it was like the first day after the invention of the salad bar, the second day first invention was the no sharing policy. Yeah, of course. Because everybody like my aunt and uncle, they would have the whole family go buy on one plate and eat, you know? Oh Yeah. It Which says what, that uh, Druthers or Druthers is. That's what the, they are now. That's what they, yeah. they changed the name. Now there's only one of them open. And I went to that in um, Campbellsville. Started Kentucky. in Winter Haven, Florida in 1956 and then based in Louisville, Kentucky from 63 to 81. The name was a play on the word Druthers and the mascot was a giant female bee named Queenie Bee. There you go. Follow well, the Queenie Bee. It's very well, clean for the, me. What was the what was the uh, the, uh, the the fast food chain that had the like the middle aged man character that kind of killed? Oh off? yeah yeah, racks. The, racks. Racks. That's it. Yeah, racks. Their slogan was "You could you could eat here." Yeah yeah yeah. Wow, that's real enticing. And it, it was uh, the guy was like a middle aged, depressing. How would you describe him? You've seen it, Adam, right? Yeah, the commercials. Yeah, they yeah. only did that at the end. Yeah, like before that, they had like their BBC sandwich, which is beef, bacon, and cheddar. They'd have like a jingle at racks or something new besides our roast beef, filet of fish, if you wish. Or try our chicken sandwich, crisp and tender. It's all white meat. Oh, what a treat. Beef and bacon and cheese is something new. Beef and bacon and cheese is just for you. I'd rather racks and rather racks. Come and try our combo, and you'd say, I'd rather Rex. This is going on the show. I oh, just, yeah. I, yeah we, we, we've already started. We need to do okay. a whole show. Of just... But it was, it, was, it was Mr. Something. It was like, 
Well, look him up there. Uh, it was on YouTube. They called it like the worst ad campaign of all time. Well, I'm sorry. I just got distracted by something on my uh, phone that said we're we're biblical giants in South America. So sorry. About oh, that. really? Yeah. Well, at least they were biblical. Yes. Right. We're gonna <laughs> do a whole Patreon of just uh, discontinued fast food franchise theme okay. songs. Okay. Okay. Sung by Doctor Future. Can I sing a few TV show ones too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I think I was telling Adam about Sons of Hercules. He liked that one. Yes, you, yeah, the, you did. The mighty sons of Hercules once thundered through the years. These men of steel could never feel the curse of a coward's fears. The mighty sons of Hercules were men as men should be. They burned with dreams and turned their dreams into history. A hundred giants, brave and bold, who ruled the world in days of old. Da, 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 da. Y'all are catch that. It's one of the coolest theme songs. <laughs> By the way, the, uh, uh, the, the name of the mascot was Mr. Delicious. Mr. Delicious, that's right. Yes. And and he was the most depressing middle-aged man that had a miserable life. I think he talked about like being separated from his wife or something like that and living out of his car. <laughs> it wasn't the most it wasn't the most endearing. They were trying to make Rax more of an adult fast food place. And so they thought if they had a guy with adult problems and, you know, it's usually people in financial trouble that just have to stick with, you know, eating stuff like that. So that was that was their idea. Sounded good in the boardroom, I guess. Yeah, I think it's almost like they deliberately tried to destroy the company. I think that's that's kind of what people think now that, yeah, you know, the, the slogan, you can you can eat here. You know, it's it's right. <laughs> really packs them in. Uh huh. Yeah, well, it's inspiring. Yeah, <laughs> but the guy, if you remember, he had like a little middle-aged paunch, and his eyes were sort of yeah, half closed. Yeah. He had a little yeah. briefcase. Uh huh. Right. Right. And he basically was just trying to cut it in a very cruel world, and somehow Rax made it just a little bit easier. <laughs> I would have liked seeing Gene Hackman play a live-action version of him, though. Of Mister Delicious, the yeah, Mr. Del- Mr. the Mister Delicious yeah. story. Yeah. Of course, really, you know, the thing I really miss is, you know, Gene Hackman was supposed to be um, the father Brady on the Brady Bunch. What? Didn't you know that? No. Originally, uh, uh, what was his name? First name Brady. Um, Mike Brady. He was supposed to be Gene Hackman. Really? Yeah. And he was awarded the part. And he later turned it down because I don't know if he just thought. He didn't think he was a good fit or whatever, but we could have seen Gene Hackman with Florence Anderson. Man. Yeah. I mean, there, there's just, an alternate universe somewhere out there yeah. where Gene Hackman was in the Brady Bunch. I could just imagine it's sort of like the French connection, you know, where where the oldest son brings home uh, cocaine and he runs up the steps and he shoots him in the back at the top of the steps, you know, and Mike the Butcher is like the, you know, the connection to bring it in the house, you know, through Alice and can you imagine that having that station wagon, the wood grain chasing them through the streets of the city? Yeah. That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? It's true. Just uh, beat I, the I, crap out of Mike the Butcher. I mean it would probably be more entertaining than the real Brady Bunch, that's for sure. Yeah, well uh, 
I'd like to see them handle Vincent Price there in Hawaii when he took him hostage. You remember yeah, that? I've, no, I don't remember that. Yeah, that was a famous one. Vincent Price took the Brady family hostage in Hawaii. <laughs> Mike, you are a uh, you are a um, an encyclopedia of seventies television. Well, I'll give you one more thing too. Did do you know who originally was supposed to be Doctor Loomis in the Halloween movies? Who was cast? You know the doctor who fought Michael Meyer. It's a, instead of Donald Pleasance. Yeah. Who was it? Mel Brooks. <laughs> I'm not pulling your leg. They had Mel Brooks to play Doctor Loomis. Yeah, I mean yeah. that. That sounds like it would have been interesting. Oh, it would have been a much more enjoyable, I think. So, go ahead, Mike. No, I did. Well, welcome back to Conspiranormal, Dr. Future. <laughs> Just another night. Yeah. Conspiranormal. And we're happy to have you. And uh, it's the end of the year episode, everybody. So we're kicking back with our good friend, uh, Dr. Future, also known as Dr. Michael Bennett. And it's like we do every single year, we're going to get Mike's take on things for this year and maybe a little bit of predictions. I don't know. We'll see how this conversation goes. But um, I uh, looking back, we really want to look back on 2021. And this is going to be more of like a kind of like, I guess, a looser kind of thing. Dr. Future really doesn't have anything prepared. Um don't make him look bad. Well, we're going to talk about. Well, that's we didn't. Probably, we didn't ask him to prepare anything. No, that's probably to, to the great relief of all of the uh, listeners out there. It's like, <laughs> no, not more of his prepared material. Right, right. At least they know they're going to be disappointed with that. <laughs> but uh, what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight is where we've been in 2021, where we're going, and kind of like a kind of like an emphasis on some of the craziness that is going on in kind of like Dr. Future Sphere, which is kind of like looking at evangelical Christianity and what is happening. I've got a couple, I've got a clip I'm going to play and, and talk about some other things. But, you know, uh, 2020 was a really crazy year. And, but I think in a lot of ways, 2021 has been even crazier in some ways than, than 2020. And of course, you know, we've, we're kind of like, I guess we're, I don't know where the tail end of the pandemic or how it's actually working, but it seems like people this year have more lost their minds than they did last year. So I just kind of like to start off, Mike, I'd kind of like to get your thoughts on that. Cause we've seen a lot of weirdness and a lot of strange rhetoric um, you know, back in August when, uh, I had COVID and I was sitting around the house for 10 days because I couldn't go anywhere. What was the same time that the anti-vax stuff was really getting started, really getting, was really getting into swing. Yeah. And then also you had all this bizarre, which we kind of talked about this last week too, but you kind of had this bizarre incidents with all these uh um school board meetings and yeah. all this kind of weirdness that was going on and this stuff is not happening out of a vacuum you know we kind of covered it 
with our interview last week with Jose Herrera with Ren, where we talked about how basically mental illness is kind of being weaponized by other state actors and these type of things. But I think there's a little more going on and a lot of it's really got to do with religion and what is kind of the crazy rhetoric that is happening right now. Yeah. So yeah. kind of before we move on to some other thing, before we move on, let's talk a little bit about that, Mike, some of your oh. thoughts. Cause you've been like doing something you've been, uh, you've been uh, taking it for the team and you've been watching stuff that, uh, I don't think anybody in their right mind could sit down and watch and stay sane. So let's talk about about that. Yeah. I mean, actually, um, you know, you know that, that I am taking one for the team and flirting with Moan insanity by watching countless hours of Christian satellite television every day and, and trying to figure out what is the most, I mean, if I just recorded the crazy stuff, I would be recording nonstop. So I have to figure out what's the stuff that has sort of ominous overtones for the days ahead. And that's hard to filter that out too and sift it out. But, um, uh, I guess I'm, I'm going to share a little bit personal here. And uh, just to get a feel of where I think the rubber meets the road in my own neck of the woods. And I'd appreciate the listeners sort of keep this under their hat. Okay. Because this is really close to home, but, um, you know, in, even in my own church environment, um, I rem, I remember not that long ago when, I, when I was still going there, somebody that that you know as well and 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 others we were talking about covid coming up and you know we already had this discussion about voting and what happened with the voting and i was surprised to hear brother talk about really not wanting everybody who might have a different worldview than him to actually have a full vote i don't know if that recollects to you adam but yeah, I remember um, you talking about this. Yeah. 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 I mean, just over dinner and finding out that this person who, who has a lot of virtues, a lot of positive things, but they felt like to stop people who were different than them, they should have their vote taken away. And with mm. no apologies that really that they just shouldn't be allowed. And, you know, that they should have some kind of amendment for all these teeming cities of these masses of people who just want everything want to take all our stuff and that's when i had suggested maybe three-fifths of a vote per person which which i think you remember that that i uh what that reference would be to yeah that sounds familiar yeah but but i remember when the covid thing was going and i remember this person who again had a lot of virtues that i admire was talking about how it's just too much fuss and too much ado to have to wear masks and have to do other stuff which i ended up finding the overwhelming majority of the leadership and church felt the same way, uh, no matter how many people it saved. And um, when they thought it was just much ado, he had a very fatalistic view, like, well, it's just going to do its thing. It's going to kill who it's kill. And of course, he was a lot healthier and younger than most of the people who were dying. So that's their problem. Right. But I can remember it boiled down when it really sort of pushed a little bit, basically just admitted Mike, he says, 
you're just too worried about the week all the time. And I and I thought, wow, we've gotten to the point where, you know, we're worried about, <laughs> we resent having to worry about the week. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, th- these are Christian people talking. And they're resentful that we would actually have to tolerate the week and whatever issues they have going on. So, uh, um, in my own neighborhood, you know, I live in a pretty upscale neighborhood, actually really nice homes. It's usually people who have saved for a lifetime have saved to live at a house, you know, similar kind of house. And, um, almost everyone in my neighborhood are church going folk, you know, probably local Baptist church down the street or places like that. And, uh, um, so I listened to what they say and I had mentioned to, there's several people, you know, a couple street, a street over who all drive the military fatigue with like the drab green military SUVs painted like an army, like wartime green, totally covered with second amendment and arm stuff. One of them, I think, I don't know if they're still there. Um, used to have a show like a podcast was very successful they had to advertise on their vehicle about like extreme weaponry like how to get a hold of like military grade weaponry and it was a huge following on this podcast about it and um uh but it was just like a culture just in these adjoining houses most of them were from fort campbell uh live there but um i and i remember one of them who you know, shared with me a little bit right before January 6th and had talked about how his buddies in the military were going to be involved in some big operation on January 6th on the day that they were doing it. And he couldn't be there for some reason. He couldn't go. But um, he told me it was going to be a major military operation there. And I had no idea whether he really knew what he was talking about or not, but he goes on a lot of these you know, what is it, Parler or some of these Telegraph or different ones that have spun off for people who've been banned from, you know, mostly right-wing people banned from Twitter or, or YouTube or whatever. Right. And sure enough, it was like, it sort of happened like you said. And uh, they had a little event not long ago. Uh, we, we were invited over with some other couples in the neighborhood and, uh, I went and met some of his military friends because they were all military. They were invited. And uh, I just said, hi. And they said, well, we need you to help us. And I was there to help cook the food at the grill. And he says, no, what we need is can you design um, armor plating that will stop high caliber projectiles on passenger vehicles? Oh, my God. Mm. And uh, and they were serious as a heart attack. And. You know, I had a background a little bit in armor and stuff like that, mostly in fire protection, but I had some background. And and so, I, you know, I explained to them, I said, well, you sort of have to know the application. You have to know, like, what kind of targets engaging you and the circumstances. And, you know, I thought I might know some more. And and uh, they got real mom about explaining, other than saying that they thought things were going to get real, real bad really quick. 
and it was going to necessitate all of us having it. Mm-hmm. This is like the last couple months. And uh, the rest of the talk, I mean, there's some snipers there and other people there. And uh, so, you know, I just try to keep my ears open. But, you know, even talking with spouses, you know, the the, the first response they make is, well, our, our views just tend to go to the apocalyptic. And just a lot of other like little phrases like that, you know. And uh, uh, my mailman, another fine guy, former police guy, um, been in police union. So, you know, he um, he sort of knows if he doesn't want to do something, they have all sorts of ways they can get out of doing it. So, uh, you know, he um, has told me different times that he didn't like certain things the government was doing and there was ways around it and he knew how to do it and things or or even just working at the post office. And one of the things he just mentioned recently was talking about a brother-in-law he didn't like in the family. And very casually, he just, it, you know, it threatened him. And then he said he sent him a picture of a bullet in the mail. Like, uh, you know assassin bullet in the mail and everything's just sort of nonchalant like well this is just you know this is just normal but what i what i do find is that everybody is sort of talking in these apocalyptic tones no it's it's not just griping anymore it's not just i don't like this what are we going to do about this how are we going to get our taxes down they're spending our money and blah 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 it's like everybody wants Ragnarok or whatever you pronounce it, you know, and Loki and all the guys, all the rising of the gods, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody's waiting for it. And and not just like the intense people, average people, I mean. Yeah. And, and these uh, people are like brushing this conversation with you um, under very casual circumstances and just assuming yeah. that you are right there with them. Assuming I'm, cool, I'm, I'm yeah. cool with it, you know. And, uh, um, another situation like that, there's somebody in our neighborhood that, um, she does a lot of stuff with local celebrities. She's very, very polished on camera. Looks like she could be like a pastor at a church or something. And she's very active in a local church and talks a lot about her work with young women and their morals and values. And I remember seeing them when we were, uh, it was right when the, the all the big stuff was happening downtown and the race protest. Not so much riots, but just the protests and things. And uh, I don't know you know how it came up. We were just walking by walking the dog. And, and um, I don't know if she brought it up or I or something. I think she did. And then she said something like, well, you know, we won't ever see that in our neighborhood because we got guns up here and we know how to take care of it. And uh, I think she sort of insinuated like what I thought about it. And I says, well, you know, what I'd like to do is handle anything like this the way I think Jesus might handle it. And uh, sort of paused for just a second and then just went right into talking about all of the young ladies that were being mentored at church and all the wonderful things for God that were being done. And uh, I hope your listeners, you know, keep all this under your hat, but. To me, I start taking that and a bunch of other experiences, and I just start thinking um, there's no line for anybody anymore. 
there's no point in which they say, you know, that's a little too much. Um, and so I think we've had a little bit of a break from the, the whole political Washington thing after. I mean, can you imagine it's just been 11 months ago that we had all this stuff yeah. happen? I mean, that's yeah. all. Um, it And it seems surreal. I mean, I saw a video the other day about some of the stuff about it, and I thought, I can't believe that really happened. I don't know if you all remember watching it when it broke out. It's yeah. It's just like it's like you're watching a TV show. This Real can't time. really be the way America works. And when and there was a lot of shame for a lot of politicians afterwards. That and that lasted themselves. about two months. Wait, I don't think it even lasted a week. <laughs> because you you take a guy like uh, McCarthy, I believe, the House Speaker, who utterly denounced. You know, from the president all the way down to all the participants, everything that happened. And within a week, he was going to Mar-a-Lago to start planning with President Trump about the next elections. Within the week. Mitch McConnell was the same way. So uh, there's still a surrealness to all this. But I think what we've what we can see now is anything is possible. And before, we would all sort of wink at all this kind of weird stuff we'd all talk about, whether it was on the Christian side or non-Christian, about weirdness. And you'd think, yeah, I really could see that happen. It's like seeing a bunch of UFOs, you know, parked over our cities. But now none of that's off the table. And um, I think, the you know, the, the rage has deviated away from – you know, the the whole thing about trying to overthrow the election, you know, how, like they did in Arizona where they got the cyber ninjas uh, to somehow get the ballots. And I don't know if you all remember, but they were actually – and this was paid for by the taxpayers. They were actually holding ballots up to, and to, to – they had a detector to see if there was bamboo fibers. Right. Yeah, because, because of some rumor on the internet through QAnon – that North Korea had gotten a boat and had ballots and somehow didn't even bother dropping them off on the West Coast. They went and took them around and dropped them off at Maine for some reason. Hmm. I'm sure but that'd that was, be easy to do. Yeah. But that was good enough for them to get taxpayer money to pay for it. There was something else that they were looking for. I don't remember what it was fingerprints, but it was something even crazier than bamboo. And that was everybody had signed up for it. all the Republican leadership down. And so um, uh, I think that all got sort of deviated over to the vaccine stuff right now. And it's really weird. You know, these the Christian side are really quick to point out when a hurricane happens or something else happens in a place. Well, that's God's doing something. God's doing something in this. But now in the last couple of months, we see all of these Christian leaders dropping like flies that were hyper anti-vax, anti-trust anybody with any kind of credentials. And now they're dropping like flies with COVID. But no, nobody else is willing to say that maybe that's the finger of God. Like, why are all these prominent people that all just happen to be that just suddenly dying and... Can't that be a sign of God's yeah. activity? And I'm not saying it is, because I think you have to be real careful pointing that out. But I'm just saying it's sort of funny that they're they're not pausing and thinking, like, maybe I ought to just ponder this a little bit more. 
and think Good point. about. Yeah. Um, because because again, bad things bad things shouldn't happen to them. It should happen to immoral people. Quote well, unquote. and it also because the whole hurricanes thing was all about. Well, if you, you stand know, with Israel, it's a lot of times. Yeah, but some of it was also about homosexuality too, and that too. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, uh, so I, I think that has been something, and and I, I guess there's there's two big lessons that I can that are inescapable to me, and I don't mean to make this political because actually politics are just a symptom of something bigger in the heart and soul. They they're they're just like the hands and feet, like once you have a certain set of values then they work their way out in our society, often in political ways, but or social or media or whatever. But uh, I, I think the inescapable thing that totally breaks my heart when I reflect on how I spent most of my life is that the broader conservative culture that I was raised in, I can no longer get away from the overarching value of a what, whatever the conservative position is going to be on anything that we now face with new issues is, is that they don't give a crap about anybody. So whatever we face some new challenge in society, whatever position is one in which you would exhibit not giving a crap about anybody else but your own interest, that will be the position that they settle on. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. It can be somebody, you know, different religion or ethnicity overseas, somebody outside our border. Now it's their own neighbors. Now it's the people that they live with. And well, it seems it, like a lot of those, those classic, the classic Christian morality to them is being reserved for people within, within their group. And like this morality, is, yeah. it's a double layered system. It doesn't really apply to those outside. Just like with the, just like with the ethno-nationalist sentiments that, you know, yeah. oh, well, only, you know, these type of people are equipped for democracy in the first place. So, it you know, it's it, it's only meant to be democracy for us and not for these other people. And it's the same yeah. kind of thing. Right. So that's how they have this double, this double mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because um, I was invited to go on a recluse show not long ago. Yeah, they were excellent shows too. We listened and, to all of them. Well, there was two guys on there who were far more experienced than me and probably had spent a lifetime fighting fascism. But what it was interesting was in all of their, you know, intensive work and dedicating their life, when it came to define fascism, I could see they sort of struggled with it. Having battled, I mean, they 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 stated elements that were all true about it. Right. But and that's why I mentioned that it's it, I find it gets almost sort of like obscenity. It's like, yeah. well, it's hard to define, but I know it when I see it. And that's why when it takes hold, you can't um, you know, people don't understand that it is. And people don't yeah. most of the time they don't uh, self-identify as fascists. It's Only in slow, those brief historical burn. moments did that happen. Yeah. yeah, it's a slow burn, too. Well, one of the things I think. You know, you can see when you're dealing with somebody who, whether they acknowledge it or not, may be falling that way, is this obsession with anything that's collectivist. If there's anything done in society that's for the well-being of everybody, where like there'd be a decision made that would have some authority on the well-being of most people, 
they're going to fight that vociferously. And the the definition that I mentioned just off the top of my head from listening to these gentlemen on the show, that's at least like the broader public element of fascism, like a fascistic society, is that I called it a um, populist elitism. Mm. And that sounds like an oxymoron, but, you know, it's populist in that at least there is a critical mass of people enough when you can affect effective control over society. It doesn't even have to be a plurality as, as Hitler showed, but if you have a very active, significant minority and that a populist has got to connect that group of people and what they convince this populist segment is that they are superior racially, ethnically, just in their social, whatever can be genetically to anybody else. And that may be minorities in their own society. It's definitely people outside their borders. And that's why nationalism always goes with fascism. Now, with communism, which has its own problems, and it has its things that it shoots itself in the foot, like it's enforced atheism, um, even though I understand where that came from, when you find what Marx and and Stalin and guys like that – you know, what they are experienced with the church in their life. I understand why they were sympathetic to it, even though I think they were wrong. Uh, and it, it sabotages their own movement. But in that case, those collectivist movements see themselves more internationally. They don't separate themselves so much by ethnic. You know, the only separation, and you correct me, Adam, because you're stronger than I am on this historically. But when Stalin would separate the different groups, or mix them even, he would mix them. Uh, it was not so much that he thought one ethnicity was better than the other. It was that he just didn't want them to get together and form a competitive power base of resistance. And he thought mixing them would neutralize that. But fascism is the opposite. The fascism actually says that we are in, inherently better and superior than others. And the, the irony of it in fascistic societies and the few that I've looked at is that they're really happy to be part of this elite, this populist elitism. But yet what they don't realize is that when you have an elite, there's always an elite with an elite. And so the elite think that they're in control, but there's really an elite above them that's pulling the strings on them. Right. And if you look at Nazi Germany or the Italian fascists or whatever. I mean, there was an upper level elite that really made the decisions, but yet they would get the populist people to think, Hey, we got our people in charge now. And they were, you know, it was a gilded cage. They, they thought that they really had their people in charge, but they were, and, and I would say that's definitely what I would have described the last four years or four or five years here. Yeah. It's, it's an illusion of control. Yeah. Yeah. And, It, I'll tell you, like the the tax plan that was approved, you know, in the last four or five years is a classic case in point. It sounds wonderful. Well, look at this. You almost doubled the standard deduction for us common folk. Well, what they don't realize is that these rich people think they're too dumb to know that what they give with one hand, they take with the other when they take away the standard deductions for everybody in the family or um, the exemption, excuse me, the exemptions when they give it. And if you take that standard deduction 
you know, and they basically offset, you give up being able to write off the interest on your home. People have big mortgages, can't do it. Charitable deductions, you can't deduct. So it sounds real great if you keep the message real simple until you, you know, unless you bother to start running the numbers through, then it doesn't look so hot. Meanwhile, you've got the wealth class, what I call the elite within the elite, get their taxes cut in half. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that through the four years of Trump, while everybody was paying attention to what the far right was doing, and then also just like Trump's just general buffoonery of himself, that there was a great deal of looting yeah. going on in this country economically. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of it he did simply through the Trump properties that all the government meetings and all the delegations and everything, including the foreign delegations who actually came there to kiss up to him for deals. I mean, the windfall they got from all that was obscene. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there hasn't really been an accounting for all that. But to me, it's the same principle that the rich normally do, where, you know, they'll ask somebody like a bellhop or somebody, a goon that's at the end of the organization to do something that might be dangerous or something they don't want to get their hands dirty with, and they'll offer them a $100 bill. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, well, these people, they think they'll be rich. You give them a $100 bill, and they think they'll be rich. Meanwhile, I'm getting you know, $5 million from some dirty deed we have them do. And that's the contempt that I saw in the tax plan. So when people give themselves over to that, I don't know how you pull them back. I mean... It's amazing what they were able to do in Germany and Japan, you know, particularly Japan because they had this emperor worship that went on. But I don't know if it'll be so easy. You know, of course, we're not even at that point now of repair. We're we are, we're not even in the worst throes of it. Yeah. I mean, that's like talking about repairing Germany in 1935. It's like, well, yeah, I wish we were at that point, but, you know, we haven't seen the worst yet. Well, this identification with the with the elite, like you're talking about, it leads to what you're talking about before, in that these large segments of the population are now deputizing themselves and paramilitarizing to be the the force for you know what is this brewing new American fascism, and that's what we're seeing, and that's really like a part of all of these movements and countries, all these fascist movements is a paramilitary right wing um, that is using the excuse of countering left wing chaos. Yeah. That happened in every one of these countries and it happened in the cold war too, in South America. Uh, it happened in, in Chile. Um, and it's the same it's the same dance. And like with the whole Kyle Rittenhouse thing lately, you know, I saw so many people who I thought had a little more sense, um, celebrate this kid, you know, people who would identify themselves as libertarians, et cetera. But, you know, no matter what side of this dance you want to be on, like if, if, if you want to be a part of that dance, it leads to authoritarianism. Um, and a lot of my, you know, yeah. the criticisms of left-wing chaos is in there too, because that is a big part of the dance yeah. and it justifies, you know, what happened. Who knows if, um, if 
January 6th would have been able to happen without the excuses, yeah. uh, without people, you know, seeing the left wing chaos and TV and thinking that, Oh, we've got to, we've got to stand up and be, you know, be the defense against that. So, so yeah, that's what you're talking about is this like paramilitarization. And this is what happens in every country that has a mm-hmm. brewing fascist movement. Well, and violence is always the answer. Once you cross a paradigm, and I think the January 6th thing was another thing that further enhanced it, is that once you sort of convince yourself psychologically that you're not going to try to persuade people or, you know, appeal to reason or logic, but it's like you you do a gun count. Whoever has the most guns, well, then that's that's who will get to enforce what reality is. I think I think we're at that point right now. And that's why Rittenhouse is a hero. And, you know, he tried to come across as some innocent guy that got in over his head. And you know what he said at trial? He was just there to to give first aid. That was the whole right. reason he was there. You know, like, well, most people give first aid. They got to have an AR-15 with them. And But he was going out away from that store just so he could give first aid. And they played the video of him telling them when they were videotaping him that he was a paramedic. And they asked him, they said, are you a paramedic? He says, well, no. And they started going this other list of things that he just outright lied about. But yet they believed his testimony on what his motives were. And, you know, he still, you know, he, I think he actually claimed that he was part of Black Lives Matter, believe it or not. Okay. But a few days after the trial, the next thing he does is call up Donald to meet at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Now, he had said before you know, he was crying. He said he was just crying and breaking up and things like this. And he was just, you know, he came across as some child that had got in over his head, couldn't even explain why he'd done what he'd done, and just asking for mercy. Uh, never do it again. And this is what he – and I've heard his attorney. He, you know, originally – you know who his first attorney was? Lynn Wood. Yeah, Lynn Wood the mastermind of the whole overthrow the election who who even all the other Trumper people think is nuts, you know, drug him out of the white house. So this is who he goes to get to defend him or, or he accepted until he found out, and this is a microcosm of what's going on all the time. Now he, he found out that he was being used just as a fundraiser for Lynn Wood and some of his cronies. And that's what these people do. They all exploit each other. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would be funny if the fact that there weren't innocent people that got hurt in the middle of all this, too. If it was just them, it's sort of like these people who say these absolutely ridiculous things about some of the the science of what they use to protect themselves physically. And if it was just themselves, it would be tragic. But it's doubly tragic when there's innocent people, even people who don't agree with them, that they infect and kill. Not just even the people who listen to them, but there's other people. In the same way with this, too. These people hurt innocent parties, but uh, he had, he got a level-headed attorney who tried to focus on just him as an individual and, and pulled a rabbit out of a hat, but now he's already gone full tilt. Yeah. Uh, I saw him on the Charlie Kirk show, which is basically Donald Trump Jr. If, if you've read my blog, you, you'll know who Charlie Kirk is. He's going to be a bigger name in the days ahead. He's 
Um, you'll get very yeah, we, familiar we with Charlie. We talked about Kirk. him on the last, yeah. Did episode you? Okay. When we had when we had him on with Ren. I was. Ren, yeah, I'm usually okay. not surprised, but I really the celebration of this kid really did surprise me, and the yeah. way that this uh, legalistic framework was used as a uh, as the excuse that oh no, it's just rule of law, it's just the case. You know, if that's really what it is, you you could still acknowledge that oh well, you know the 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 letter of the law had to prevail, but this kid was still terrible, and this was a terrible occurrence, and this is part of the dance towards fascism. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, it, it it wasn't that. They are celebrating him as a hero because he killed commies. Right. I mean, that's just straight up what it is. And another thing too is that I've heard so many just like people arguing. And I'm sure that this comes from conservative talk radio, even though I haven't actually heard it, but I'm sure that's where it comes from. Just like everyone's a, a jailhouse doctor. Everyone's a jailhouse lawyer. Right. On this. Yeah. Right. And, and but, but what they're doing is they're arguing minutia of yeah. all this yeah. instead of looking at the bigger picture of just like, how about nobody died? How nobody, how about nobody should have died in this situation? How about yeah. that? Not, Oh, he had a gun. So therefore, you know these these type of these minutia. and if you really support the police, then maybe you should let the police deal with crowds instead yeah. of showing up to create more chaos. I mean, of course, yeah. in that point, the police kind of pulled back and allowed the chaos to continue. In that case, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, like I said, he 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 didn't disappear like he said. He told right. everybody, "Oh, you know, this is I'm." It, you know, it's like the woman in Roe v. Wade or something. I've been caught up in events bigger than me, and, you know, I just want to go to college. This is what he talked about. I want to go to college and forget all this. Well, his next step was at Mar-a-Lago, and now he's going on all the conservative shows. And I don't I don't know if I've told you. I sort of intimated to Adam a little bit, but watching all this Christian stuff, they are experts at figuring out how to monetize and merchandise Oh, yeah. Any of these traumatic events and figure out an angle on how to make money on it. So um, I'd already told Adam that I wanted to do a January 6th commemorative chess set <laughs> where you actually have, you know, like a Franklin Mint thing where you have uh, like Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi as the king and queen on one side. And then you'd have Donald Trump. And I would probably put Sidney Powell in there instead of uh uh, his wife in there because she was one of the masterminds but you could have you know and then you'd have all the protesters with the american flags that they used to impale and then the capitol hill cops on the other side as pawns as pawns yeah and then you would have you know can't, can't you see the figures on all sides you'd have alex jones in there and, yeah you know you i mean it, it would be a fantastic we're going to be the bishops well, you'd have to maybe one of the guys would be like the guy who carried off Pelosi's uh, podium, and then like maybe the guy who put his feet up on her desk, you know. Well, and, those oh, are the pawns. Oh, well, and I think one of the bishops. Has <laughs> you to, need some uh, religious figures for the bishops. Well, one of the bishops has to be the uh, QAnon shaman, I would think. You got to okay, put yeah, him in there good. somewhere. I, I really think those are the I, pawns. Those are the well, pawns, Mike. I think literally yeah. and figuratively. Well, they they are, might think they're the the. What I was thinking year. is you put a Christian 
leader as one bishop, and then you put the QAnon guy. Yeah, so you so have, then you got the conspirituality, and you've got the yeah, crazy evangelical fringe. Yeah, right. You've got the Odinist Christian axis, yeah. which has been in place for some time. You got the white supremacist, you know, slash Odin pagan slash Christian evangelical connection, which has been together for a number of years, actually. Mm-hmm. They're they're singing off the same page. But the other thing I was thinking about doing was coming up with, with a Kyle Rittenhouse first person shooter game. Oh no. Where you could actually you could be Kyle Rittenhouse and hunt down people with skateboards and you know, of course you'd have like one of your things you'd have on the side, haha, is like a little, you know, uh bag for first aid, you know. And you could defend defend convenience stores with your life. Y- yes. <laughs> You're right, but then it was, a, ca- to, it was a it was a car lot, wasn't it? Wasn't well, it that's that's lot? part one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, car lot, and then you then you have to sort of go on the hunt. So okay. then you have to go on a hunt, and 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 the goal is to try to uh, encourage people to come after you. In other words, fire a gun, start doing things like that, and try to get people to come towards you. And and like your gun wouldn't work until they sort of turn around, and look at you, and then you could fire. You know. Right. So well, do you think I, he's going to get his uh, honorary doctorate from Liberty University? I'm, Are they talking about that? No, I'm just guessing. Uh, I would, no, no, no. I mean, you're thinking right. I mean, yeah. that's sort of what yeah. I would guess too. I mean, because they've done so much stuff for like Eric Prince. What's the difference? You know, he just does it on a bigger scale. So if Eric Prince is the kind of guy that they admire and look up to, then Rittenhouse is just like a little Prince Jr. He might be able to make his own domestic militia. You know, uh, although... He'll be manipulated just like his attorneys were manipulating him. They always take these guys as figureheads. And, you know, there's been a lot of world leaders that fall in that category. They were a figurehead of somebody else manipulating that, you know, they stuck them up there and they were the puppet for whatever. And Kyle Rittenhouse is the puppet. But I think I, I guess the part that I keep meandering around is I think this year after January 6th, that everybody on one side wants to forget ever happened. Like it yeah. never did happen. But I think the rage got directed toward COVID. And instead of the government that stole the election, now it's the government that would want to do the diabolical, obscene oppression of someone wearing a piece of paper on their face. We're getting you vaccination. Know, or, or a piece of cloth. Yeah. Uh, particularly military members who've already gotten probably 20 to 30 vaccines with not a peep from them all yeah. this time. Most of it, whom uh, aren't even told what it is half the time. Yeah, they just go in. A lot of it's experimental, too. Nobody, you know, it's being a patriot. Up to this point, it's like, well, that's part of being a, a patriot because I love my country. Well, suddenly they don't love it. And so this this may have enough mileage to just get people more and more depraved until we get, I, th- I think, the summer of 2023 – which now we're about a year and a half from is when things are going to get real hot. And that's because that's when the Republican debates get started. Yeah. I think, I think Trump is going to play with the field until the last minute. One of his favorite things to say is we'll see. Yeah. And he likes to see everybody see, are you going to do it or you're not? And you're going to have guys like Ron DeSantis and Mike Pence trying to figure out, can we get the Trump voter away in a younger package? Or is he going to stab us in the back? And then you've got this sliver of people who are never Trumpers 
and I'm sure they're going to fail again. But I think things are going to hot them because all the money that they're raising will start getting spent in mass. Um, probably Russia and China will be spending a whole lot more money. Who knows how much of this money goes through these Christian organizations? That's yeah. the one thing I'd That's always the, like to know. Even greater than the corporate veil. Well, because it used to be Korea. I mean, through Reverend Moon, mm-hmm. as I will show in my next book, in Two Masters and Two Gospels, he he was running the mainline Christian ministries. I mean, the, his man he commissioned was the chancellor of Liberty University for 20 years. Mooney, practicing Mooney, second in command at Moral Majority, practicing Mooney. If you Mooney. guys want to get a uh, sneak peek of that, you should check out those uh, those shows on the forum that Dr. Future was on. Yeah, 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 yeah. we got, got into that a little bit. So um, I would really like to know. I, I may have mentioned on your show before an experience I had at one of the uh, – um, what, what defender conferences? What were they? Uh, what were they called back then? 2012, Adam. You remember? Uh, Future Congress. Future Congress. Yeah, because I was one of the speakers there, and I remember being in the break room uh, for the speak for the speakers. And there was this guy that looked just like a Secret Service guy, bald head, had an earpiece in, looked like he was a military, real buff, in a suit sunglasses and he's going around hanging all these israeli flags in the speaker's lounge and i asked somebody i said um who's that guy what's he doing and one of the speakers said oh he's sent from the israeli government (laughs) they support they support a lot of the the speakers and the stuff here hanging out in branson and yeah and when I went, he to got the a free Anti- Branson vacation, probably. Yep. Well, when I went to the Anti Sharia conference, there were people like um, I'm trying to remember some of the big names, some female speakers uh, who were there, and some people told me there I saw these similar security people. They said they're Israeli. They're Israeli people doing this now. When I watch Christian networks, and I watch them all every day, the overwhelming majority of the shows now are about standing with Israel. The Hebraic roots of our faith, how we have to stand with the secular government of Israel. you got to know some money's coming from somewhere. And, yeah. and nothing of what I'm saying was in t- remotely intended to be anti-Semitic. I love Jewish people. I want the best for them. I want them to be happy and secure and fully live life. The same things I want for myself. It has nothing to do with that. What it has to do is with a secular government that certainly doesn't represent the majority of Jews. But, um, you know, so so I, I'm, I'm saying that to say that the Russians and the Chinese are not so stupid as to not use that very, very effective venue to influence the public. Because it has become, these Christian networks have become the venue for the most extreme rhetoric anywhere. Mm-hmm. Stuff that nobody else would swallow, secularist, they're all on board with it. So um, I think what it's leading us to now is that we're having to ask some basic questions. And I find that now we've had a realignment of our society into two camps. They split families, they split churches, they split cultures, people who are aligned. You're suddenly finding this like re-split 
You know, it's like a civil war, but there's not even a geographic homogeneity. And basically what it is, it's pertaining to the priorities of the person. And cr these crises we've had have, have made these priorities come to the forefront because they have to decide what their priority is and how they're going to respond to the crisis. And one side of the crowd says, my freedom, which just means me and what I want, is the most high priority thing in society, is my freedom. The other crowd says, yeah, I like freedom, but how my freedom impacts my neighbor is something that I'm concerned about. And people are splitting, splitting along very surprising lines on which of those two camps they fall into. And we can see very, very clearly the, the vaccine thing and the whole idea that my decisions I make don't just affect me, but they affect everybody I come in contact with. The people who accept that and the responsibility comes with it, and then the people who refuse to accept it, they put their fingers in the ears and ignore it. Those are basically the two camps that are splitting out. But, you know, it was true even before then. You think, and, and I try when I write about this to remind people, when complicated issues come up and policy things, you got to decide. A very useful thing to ask, particularly if you're a, a God-fearing person, the thing to ask is, who is the victim? If I take one approach or the other, who is going to be the real victim? Even if it's somebody I don't know, somebody I'll never meet, somebody on the other side of the world, somebody very different in their looks or even their values. Who is going to take the brunt of this thing, even though the overwhelming majority of people might all be really excited and gung-ho about this? The, the people who ask that question are going to basically be in one of those two camps. And the other camp is going to be what's in it for me and how do I advance myself? Mm -hmm. And so when you face any of these new crises that are coming up, how they answer that question they address the, the fork in the road, which way to go, which which of these is better for me and folk like me, or how is this going to impact other people different to me? It's going to decide which of those forks they pick. And everybody, including every listener here, has got to decide which of those values is going to be their preeminent value. And and I the more I have thought about, you know, when I gave my talk at Strange Realities. I know probably my conclusions were, were sort of blocked. A lot of people, they weren't very exciting. Or, But when I said, you know, I talk about in my Strange Realities talk about the information warfare that the experts are now even knowing how to manipulate inner portions of the brain communication. It's not just psychology anymore. That now they know how the lobes communicate with each other what part of your brain they want to turn off so they can run in stuff that's not screened out. When we're in that, you know, kind of environment, which we are right now, and books like that occult memetics I talk about, if there's any truth to it, there are people that are getting magical thrills out of controlling like sorcery, spellbinding people just with memes and acknowledging that it's a magical operation that's going on. And so... Looking at all that, like I say, I think we're in a mind-altering, psychological gunfight, high-powered gunfight, mm -hmm. and we're armed with knives. 
And so when you're going in as, as a lamb to the slaughter in this onslaught of manipulated controlled information, the only conclusion and suggestion I can give to people of goodwill, you know, in your audience and you two and myself is to say, you've got to figure out in your head, what are your basic values and what are your highest priorities? What are your basic values? Like, do you really believe in the golden rule that you want to have others impacted by your decisions the same way you'd want to be if the roles were reversed? Do you believe that honesty is highly valued over people who are entertaining or clever or uh, make you feel good about yourself? Is honesty and integrity a higher value than those things? And what, you know, what kind of society do you want to live in? Yeah. Well, that do will, you want to live in the wild West? Yeah. Yeah. Or do right. you want to live in this? You know, the, that's the thing about so much of this stuff is that the boat has already sailed on so many of these issues, honestly. But people refuse to acknowledge history and what's already happened. Yeah. Uh, decisions that we've already made as a society a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, we've already made the decision that we don't want people to starve. We've already made the decision that if you go into a hospital, even if you're not insured, they're going to save your life. We've already made these decisions. Um, but people want to pretend, you know, and flirt with ideology as if these decisions haven't been made and as if it's still the 1920s, but it's not. Well, um, aren't, aren't those things you just mentioned, Serfiel, sort of the definition of what civilization is? Because the alternative is the jungle. The wild, wild west was not civilized in the mythos of, you know, yeah. of, of Manifest Destiny and all that. Now, they may have had a, a few, you know, personal axioms and things that they would not cross. Certain people, right. not everybody, but there may have been some. But, you know, in the jungle, it's Darwinism in action. It's the survival of the fittest. And everything is looked at in terms of how does it further the interest of my organism, including consuming it. Civilization is the only thing that offers a counter to that. Civilization says because you naturally gravitate to the jungle of Darwinism. That's a natural thing. You have to work hard to turn away from that, Mm -hmm. which makes humans possibly different than parts of the animal kingdom, although there's parts of the animal kingdom that shows more – compassion sometimes you know but civilization says we're going to find some innate value in the weak that people who get old that aren't no longer working on the factory or the farm we can't say they're producing something to advance us they still have a value we still because we will be there one day and even if we aren't they still have a value Mm -hmm. now a lot of the excuse for that comes from somebody's you know monotheistic belief system and a god they're accountable to but i will say there's a lot of very moral atheists who can put a lot of those people to shame in their values even though they might not sure where they come from but they have them nevertheless so but that takes work and you know in the in the christian world where i come from evangelicalism uh the the progressive word is a four-letter word Mm-hmm. Like progress is something you'd want not to be. And I'm thinking, do you do you want slavery back? 
Do you want to roll back that progressive notion of banning slavery? And, you know, I'm afraid to ask that question from the people I know now. I'm afraid what they'll tell me. Yeah. They they obviously want to unite church and state and uh, roll science back and other things like that. So, Well, you know. I, I well, obviously I don't support uniting church and state because it violates the golden rule. Plus, I would never trust the people who want to do it. That would be the most dystopian world I can imagine. But uh, I I don't want to have that kind of control over people. But even if somebody did do it, wouldn't it be nice if somebody had the values of like the humble Jesus if you were going to do it? But the problem is the people that do that don't have any of the values he has. They want to take it over, but they're far worse than the worst pagans. You know, there's a a movement called dominionism. I'm sure you all have heard a lot about it within Christian circles. Um, The version in more of the mainstream slash Pentecostal side is called dominionism because they bring in a lot of spiritual warfare part of it. Then there's a sort of a stodgy reform side called Christian reconstruction. They also want to take over... They want to enforce more of the Old Testament laws. All that has to be enforced. But they both have in common taking theocratic you know, control uh, over that. And I write about that in my second volume of my book about Ralph Drollinger, who led the Bible studies in the Trump White House. And he's real close to my, uh, Mike Pompeo, who we haven't heard about for a long, for a while. But we're going to be hearing more about him come election time, I think. And Mike Pence, real buddies with him. But, you know, he would write in his Bible studies about um, we had to take dominion over the animals that would keep you from building a dam in California or these species that were endangered, that man was called to have dominion over the earth. And we wouldn't let just some kind of species that was down to a handful keep us from building a factory or something. And I'm thinking these people want to have dominion over humankind. And if this is how they've had dominion over the animal kingdom, what do we think they're going to do when they get control over humans? Well, they're Christo-fascists. I mean, that's what they are. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, exactly right. So, so I think these crises that we're going into are having to force each of us to decide who we are. And when I mention priorities, there's, there's a phrase Jesus used that Christians don't ever talk about. And that's called the weightier matters of the law. He he said, you know, you Pharisees, you're good at donating your spices and everything for sacrifice, but you neglect uh, what he called the weightier matters, which were justice, which is a word Christian people hate today, mercy and faith. And, And what Jesus was saying is, this is the front burner stuff with God. You know? What you do in the you and another person doing the privacy of your own home, yeah, God cares about it, but you know, Jesus didn't have much that much of anything to say about it. That's not to say that that's not an issue to come up sometime, but let's look at what the priorities are. You know, the the things that we hear by people of faith today are the big priorities. You won't find them anywhere in the Gospels or in the epistles as anything that is the main thing because he's calling us to grow the heck up. I heard an old country preacher once that I really liked, you know, simple fellow. He said that legalism was for children, which is basically like, do what I say because I say it. Mm-hmm. And it's true. It's for children. And these people never want to grow up out of being children. 
because you have to progress into maturity, which right. is what, if they read their Bible carefully, is what we're being groomed to do. It says that we are in the next kingdom going to judge the angels, which means we're going to administer over them. We're going to run all this stuff in a new cosmos. But yet these people want to be treated like small children in romper room. Do this. Don't do that. You know, don't, I'm telling. I'm going to tell on you if you did that. <laughs> let's let's find something trivial like somebody didn't say Merry Christmas to me. And so it's the end of the world. Meanwhile, we get refugees who are intense, can't get food, lost their home, have dangerous people patrolling around the camp, and they're worried about the war on Christmas. I mean, somebody burned the Fox News Christmas tree down, Mike. I mean, that's... I haven't had a wink of that, sleep since... That's serious. I mean, yeah. that, that the war has been declared. You the know, forces you of darkness are marching. You would have thought the Fox News people would have liked that because, like, burning trees like that is where they usually congregate. Shots fired. Let me, I I, I want to do this, Mike. Um, This, okay, so the biggest thing, of course, obviously, I think through this whole year, we talk about the COVID and then, you know, not just COVID, but the vaccine and all that. And, you know, some of the, the, I want to talk a little bit about some of the people that have passed away, died from the vaccine. Yeah. God bless Okay. Uh, you know, so the big one, of course, around here in our area, Phil Valentine, right. You know, he back in August, I think I found out was he got COVID. I think he died in September or no, he died at the end of August and unvaccinated. Yeah. Uh, all these people were unvaccinated because when once Delta hit, uh-huh. it hit people hard. Well, and I think you need to clarify, it's not just that they were unvaccinated. They were strongly promoting people not to do the same and trying to infuriate. They didn't make a private decision. They they have been trying to disparage and to throw shade on anybody that's credentialed and has dedicated their life and career as an expert to protect the public health. These are the people that they wanted to disparage. So it's not just that they didn't get a vaccine. It's that they tried the best they could to hinder people taking public health options. Well, then another one was, this is uh, in categories on this conservative talk radio hosts, a guy named Jimmy DeYoung, Bible prophecy radio host in here in Tennessee. I had no idea who he even was, but I guess you do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, um, he's one of the original heavy hitters in the Bible prophecy circles. When when I went a couple years to the pre-trib study group, like around 2006, 2007, um, I, actually, you know, it's funny. Um, Peter Goodgame showed up for a couple of those too. And, and um, Dave, and I can't remember his name. But anyway, there's people that we, you and I knew there. And, but that's where Hal Lindsey was a heavy hitter. And it's funny, Chuck Missler would come in, but they almost treated him like a, what they call a redheaded stepchild or whatever. They'd give him like 10 minutes at the end of it because he wasn't quite the inner circle of these guys. But Jimmy DeYoung was one. Oh, uh, Tim LaHaye ran ran it too. And I I can remember, you know who Tim LaHaye is, right? Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah. Left Behind. Left Behind series, series. yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I uh, used a urinal next to him. 
And, that is a, uh, wow. What a moment. Yes. He probably never forgot it. And uh, <laughs> I was I was talking to him at the adjoining urinal. Of course, not looking at each other, of course. But uh, is this at the future Congress? No, this was at one of the pre-trib study groups. And I mentioned to him, I says, uh, Mr. LaHaye, I said, you know, it's my first time here. I said, I can't were, help were the, but. Were the little wafers in the urinal just. It was like a sweet savor coming up. Okay, yeah. Good. Uh, yeah. Oh, like a ra- raspberry is the kind I always like. <laughs> you know, women only get like the chandeliers and the fancy couches in their bathroom. That's We get the cakes, you know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh. I asked him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm new here and, uh, I've noticed that everybody here has white hair. I said, are you doing anything to attract a younger generation to any of this? And he said, Hmm, you know, that's very, very interesting. And that was all I heard. Had I known how much that, uh, Reverend Mooney Unification Church was operating their ministry, I would have liked to ask him about that then. But I probably should have saved that for a question from the floor. But um, Jimmy DeYoung was one of the guys that was the early heavy hitters. And he also was a guy that started making the big money on the tours to Israel. Mm-hmm. And that's where they make the windfalls, much more than selling the books. Wow. Dragging people over. And then Netanyahu. Like a travel will, agency. Netanyahu will meet them there. It's basically a Potemkin village. But this is. That, yeah, so yeah, so this guy was also an anti-vax vaxer. Anti well. doc, documented anti-vaxer, right. Right. And and once Delta hit, well I'm, I'm assuming once Delta hit, hit he uh, passed away. But this is this is divided into uh not just the conservative talk radio hosts, which a few of them right. died this year. Pastors, politicians, public safety officers survived by regretless widow, widows mm-hmm. uh but then hey, well, there's a whole the column that we know mention some of the people that's what, that yeah you and that's I what know. i'm getting to yeah, yeah a whole column of conspiracy and freedom crusaders as it calls them so i mean rob skiba i had rob skiba back on the show ages ago and then also i, I didn't same, know you all were big disciples of rob skiba no no are, yeah, are you all have you all declared allegiance to his teaching or yeah, we including have. a flat earth completely, you know, you know it's uh, not it's not good to disparage <laughs> the dead, but I, w- I will say um, my experience with Rob. Maybe this people think this is bad, but when he just showed up out of the blue and I never was an insider, I was always on the margins and never like the inside cool guy. But when he showed up, I don't know if you remember this, Adam, but I always felt like he was trying to find a niche or a brand he could take over to merchandise. And the first thing he did was to try to take over the Nephilim thing. Right. And he was going to try to do some books and had like a brand he'd created and a name. He was, yeah, he had this whole, like he had like this whole like television series that he was, I almost felt like it it was, that was was called seed. And that's actually what we talked about when I had him on the show. It was sort of the amboyization of yeah. the Christian weirdness. And, um, of course, you know, you start digging in the knickers of guys like L.A. Marzulli and, you know, some of the other heavy hitters, you know, you're going to have a war on your hands. It's like fighting for the south side of Chicago, you know, with, uh, you know, with Capone or something. And then and then he got into the 
messianic stuff hard because that was another bandwagon you could jump on uh the hebraic root stuff and you know he completely sold that with total sincerity to everybody and then it led to the natural intellectual progress to flat earth you know of which now we're hearing some other people we know close to us you know are espousing flat earth so he did that forever well flat earth, what's interesting you know tim but all i mean he kind of like um did an anthropological study on yeah him. yeah you know he got, he's gone to the he's gone to those conferences and now they've kind of really gone over to the whole anti-vaccine movement and he was telling me right i think right before strange realities rob skiba died yeah and he was telling me that mark Sargent, who's like one of the big guys in the in the flat earth movement was saying nobody from the flat earth movement has passed away from COVID. is that and, right and then you know tim was like well what about you know rob skiba but you know so but also you know uh russ Dizdar passed away along with his wife right as well which and is honestly i don't really, really know sad. how much Dizdar was anti-vax or, or not oh uh, he was pr- he was pretty strong anti-vax uh if you go back you know there, there's a there's a site i can tell people about that's sorry antivaxer.com a lot yeah. of people probably been there um the comments are pretty daggone cruel uh they're basically not too merciful you know, as far as like what uh, they say about these people in terms of, but you know, I, I have to say, I, I'm sure probably there's a lot of atheists or just young people who sort of super snarky or whatever that are part of it. But now again, we're not talking about somebody who maybe was just mistaken on something or yes. and hurt themselves. They you know, may have not, contributed to, to countless deaths. Yeah. It's not like it's a Darwin award winner. Okay. Right. That did something stupid, and then they paid the price. These are people who were d- actively doing something and trying to promote something that could take a lot of other innocent lives. So when I hear their lack of empathy for these people, particularly ones who are who are in ICU and on a ventilator, you know, it's it costs millions of dollars to go through months of that. I know f- from personal family experience. When you get out of that, and then you're still unrepentant. It's a little hard to have empathy for somebody like that. I mean, it's a little easier for me to have sympathy for a drug addict who mm-hmm. keeps falling off the wagon uh, than it is, you know, uh, and they can hurt their family and stuff like that. But but these people, they're trying as hard as they can to be as unempathetic as possible or worthy of empathy. But you can see, uh, sorry, antivaxer.com, it's got all these people documented, but what they do do is record all of this rhetoric that they say online they give samples of what it is so you know that these people were a legitimate anti-vaxxer and and strongly trying to sway other people away from it and 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 that's true for these people we're talking about right now so i find it a worthwhile reference in that regard yeah adam i think you should go down the list a little bit just because just to get the effect you know i mean there's a lot yeah there's a lot of people that i mean i don't i don't really know but the, I mean, just in the cons- well, we'll do the conspiracy and freedom. Hey, but, but before you do that, can I mention something about Russ? Yeah, Since this is a tell-all. You know, Russ Dizdar. I only had involvement with him back in like two thousand nine, 
10 when I went to speak at the um, Ancient of Days conference there at Roswell. I didn't know him. I thought he had the scariest looking website. It just looked like it was totally off the wall. All caps. Spiritual warfare. I mean, it yeah. was just flashing lights and bizarre stuff. It looked like a madman had put it together. And I went there to see who this guy was who's having mortal combat with the devil. And he turned out to be one of the most gentle, kind. Um, a lot of the people I knew didn't have a whole lot to say to me, the speakers. I was a stranger to him. He immediately embraced me. I felt completely comfortable with him. People came that were having like what they perceived to be spiritual warfare problems with their children and were at wit's end. He very quietly, discreetly met with them in his hotel room. It's rather than getting to relax like the other speakers to try to help them in deliverance. And so I just want to say that I, I have a lot of respect for him in that regard. And he was very kind to me. But I will also say that I called him a few months ago to let him know about my book that I'd published. Thought he might be interested because he always just acted like he thought very well of me. And I told him about it, and very quickly, his comments veered off into what I would consider really hard right, sort of Trumpish kind of support stuff. And I was shocked because I just didn't even think he had time to look at that kind of stuff. I figured he was so much trying to save people from the clutches of the devil or the Black Awakening that he had no time to embrace, you know, all of the things that the right wing is terrified is going to happen to our country and. You know, the gays are taken over and um, the, you know, secularist and socialist and all that. And when I started hearing all that, I thought, oh, I was sort of deflated. And then when I saw the stuff on his website, some of it, some of that made some sense because they recorded some of that. Sorry, anti-vaxxers. So, you know, that's one that really hurt for me. You know, his wife died, too, from it. Right. Right. Now, a lot of this crowd thought that they're they make fun of people saying thoughts and prayers, you know, there. But this crowd thought that supernaturally, because they believe they can raise the dead and everything else on a regular basis, that they would pull these people through. But what happens is, and I've seen this from being around the Pentecostal people a lot, uh, who would come in through the church I was at, or even in our communities, is that they can be absolutely certain that a miracle is going to be done to raise somebody up to shake their finger at all the critics and the other stuff. And then suddenly the person dies, even after they say it, and then they act like nothing ever happened. You'll never hear it mentioned again. And most of these people, when they have succumbed, they won't even mention COVID. And the only way they find out, even though they've been so strong anti-vaccine, is sometimes they'll accidentally slip up and mention that their loved one had COVID that died. Otherwise, we wouldn't know. So this cognitive dissonance has been around for a long time, and it has to be because in the Pentecostal movement, how many of these people prophesy all the time that X, Y, Z is going to happen? And then they prophesy it, and of course it never happens. And then everybody has to pretend that it was never said. No one goes back and says, no, wait a minute. Why are we going to trust this person again? So if they're doing that, then COVID, they're going to treat that the exact same way. And how much does that cause the heathen to rage and the skeptics, and understandably so, when you won't even be that intellectually honest? So anyway, I just wanted to say something about Brother Russ. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, under, it's understandable because I really think some of this is just that, you know, you and I have liked, we've seen this developing for a while, even before COVID happened. And we've really just kind of seen how it's just been this slow invasion of the body snatchers. These people that we, that we have known, and maybe they were kind of always a little bit like this, but we never really talked about it. But like, it's just been a slow kind of just like, well, another one bit the dust. Another one believes wow. the rhetoric. And it it's, it's gotten, it's really literally got to that point. One but, of them may have escaped. And I don't know if you were going to mention Tom Horn, but. Well, I we're going to, yeah, it, it, we'll, it we'll talk a little him. bit about that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Right. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it did. And that's, but, uh, so here's a few of the people in the conspiracy and freedom crusaders column of this, of this little graphic that I have. Yeah. We mentioned Rob Skiba, Robert David Steele, who was someone that had gone, I knew had gone on Alex Jones before he was the guy that was talking about colonies on Mars, apparently a former CIA agent. Okay. Also, um, anti-vaxxer, uh, people actually said that when he died, that, um, the doctors actually killed him and it was a political murder. Ah. Uh, Veronica Wolski, she was anti-mask uh, menace is what it says here. And QAnon Karen. Um, Dusty and Tristan, I don't know a lot of these people. Dustin yeah. and Tristy Graham, Alabama Pickers, quote unquote, YouTube copy, couple. Denise Lyonese, also known as Truffles the Clown from the Villages, Florida. Mm. Um Greg Pothole, anti-vaxxer, jujitsu warrior, Brian Cross, limo service, and January 6th rally goer. Uh, William Topol, patriot against mask tyranny, Alaska. Damon Thibodeau, released from death row, 15 years, Florida. Stanley J. Wilson, anti-vaxxer ambulance, EMT in Oklahoma. Kristen Lowry, Bombs for Liberty, Free Thinker, California. Um, Renee and Daniel Chavez, anti-Fauci crusaders. David Knoll, attorney and anti-vaxxer school board trustee. And of course, we mentioned Russ and Shelley Dizdar. I mean, this list just goes on and on and on. And also, this was made before Marcus Lamb actually passed away, which was only just a few days ago. Mm-hmm. And that was someone that had been actively pushing these kind of like alternative cures to COVID. The biggest of the biggest, because I can vouch for that, having subjected myself <laughs> to watching endless hours of Daystar television every day. And their flagship, he and his wife, uh, Joni Lamb, uh, founded the network. It's seen by three billion people worldwide. And I think 120 million households in the U.S. It's just enormous. That's like almost half the population of the planet. Yeah, I know. I know. But, I mean, you can't underestimate their influence. And when I would turn on their network every night, their flagship shows, sort of like how the 700 Club is, you know, for, for their network, you know. Uh, that's the talk show. That's the flagship with the... Uh, the owner host they had one every night prime time for several hours and then his wife would have hers 
on these shows every night for hours, every night for, I don't know how far it goes back. I guess since the early days of COVID nightly hours, discrediting the vaccines to the point of saying things that the vaccines would make you blind, like as little as 24 hours after you took it, that the overwhelming majority of people were dying from it. And they would put some disclaimer occasionally on rare occasions saying, well, now you do your own research. But then the rest of it nonstop, all of the people they had on, you could find connection to America's frontline doctors. Um, But some of the claims they made, and one thing I have picked up on now that you find consistently with the people that are the shadiest is that these people on all these Christian networks I find, you know when they're really pulling a whopper is when they start talking real fast. They start talking real fast, start saying things like this real fast, and they got a little swagger to them. They get a little swagger, and they say stuff, and they get a lot of zingers out there. And if you go watch these people they'd have on there, they oh, they'd get old Fauci. They got real, you know, get one to get everybody snicker, and they talk real fast. They talk so fast, you can't really digest and think, wait a minute, let me think about what they're really saying. Let me think how well did they prove their case or not, what they're saying. But now I find that that's consistent all the time. Even shows like Sid Ross, It's Supernatural where they got these people that all have their own shtick. Every person that comes on has some kind of unique shtick they do. They start talking real fast like that. You know, they're really pulling one over you, you know, just like going and buying a used car. But they would have the most extreme anti-vaccine stuff. And the sad thing is they brought their teenage children in, or 20-somethings or whatever they are, look very, very immature, and bringing them in and indoctrinating, you know, they're the next generation. And I think the son has sort of taken over since dad, you know, was gone. But it was nightly a strong anti-vax message. And that was their brand. That's what they set everything on. And so then in the middle of it, and I'm watching the show one night because I'm keeping track with Marcus while he's sick. And they won't say anything on their Facebook page. They'll, be, they'll just ask for prayers, you know. But then every once in a while, something will let up and you find out, oh, yep, he's got COVID. You know, mm-hmm. they've been taking the ivermectin. They've been taking all of this stuff. And uh, which, by the way, I have to confess that I do have somebody in my household that's been on an ivermectin regimen. And I don't know uh, if I had <laughs> told you all about that. Um, I was discovered to my shock that Buster, our Shipu, is on a <laughs> ivermectin regiment is called heart guard it's for heartworms and so um it touches our home too i guess i don't know if he got that from daystar or just from the veterinarian but anyway um uh daystar petco that's our pets go one of the two anyway the day you're not I using think, the you're not using the sheep dip for him not not the sheep dip it's just the regular heart guard if you see it it says ivermectin at the top because they're trying to get rid of heartworms Okay, and and I bet you none of these people taking it have heartworms. You know, I I bet you it's successful because well, if, I was if, telling if you, you get COVID from heartworms, and these people are probably good to go. I was telling you last night that one of the big memes that I saw when it, now now the ivermectin thing has kind of died down. These things just come in waves quietly, and, and yeah. you forget about them, but. One of the big things that I saw was people saying, well, they're using this on the Afghans. When the Afghan pe- uh, refugees are coming over here, they're using them. Yes, they are. 
They're using it for parasites. Ivermectin's been around for a long time. Uh And it's for treatment of parasites. Now, I have heard some things that they're actually that that they're actually are trying to look in it as 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 a treatment for COVID. But the thing is, it's just like people just glum onto these things. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, it didn't work for Marcus Lamb. No, or or um, I have video of Coach Dave Daubemeyer. You know, Coach Dave, you know, the guy who interviewed me and then didn't have the guts to upload it after he asked me to interview me at Future Congress. Dr. Future's calling him out right here. I could Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The guy's a total nutcase. And he, uh, but popular, of course, because you had to be a nutcase to be super popular these days. Um, he was talking about his own show, about how he got uh, Sherry Tenpenny, you know, Miss Anti-Vax. And she applied a lot of this stuff to Russ Isdar, but he died the next day after she gave him all the stuff. Now that's probably not fair to draw a correlation, but all these people are taking all this other witch doctor stuff, and the witch doctor stuff's fine with them, just not if it's like a personal yeah. physician would tell them. That's not what they want to have. They want to have witch doctor medicine, and, you know, eye of newt or something like that. Well, well, the whole thing, the whole thing with the vaccine is that I think a lot of them, especially in this evangelical crowd, look at it and think that it's going to change their DNA, that they're not going to, that's going to make them Nephilim. They're not going to be saved anymore. I, I don't even know, to be honest. And there's the whole beast text thing. I mean, we were talking about this last night. You but and you I, know, the thing is, the Johnson they, and Johnson, already been, the, the Johnson already and Jackson vaccine doesn't have, you know, first of all, the RNA vaccines have nothing to do with interacting with your DNA at all. But the Johnson and Jackson vaccine is a conventional vaccine. Right. So they have an option if they have this irrational fear that built on their ignorance. So that's not really the root. It's a cover. It's a cover for them to make some kind of stand that nobody's going to tell me what well, to do. Well, well, this is the thing is that like the way that I see this whole thing with the vaccine right now, it's like these people, they do not give a shit about uh, people's health or whatever. They don't care. What it is is that the holistic health industry is a million dollar industry and the pharmaceutical companies are a billion dollar industry and they want to be the holistic health people want to yeah. be a billion dollar industry they don't give a single yeah you're right break about you they want their money mm-hmm. and like this guy over here has said many times it's like everything has to always be noble you know they always have to pretend like it's noble and it's not. They just want your money too. Right. That's all it is. So all, right. all the criticism about the pharmaceutical industry, mm-hmm. which in some ways is valid. The right. truth is, is right. that you know the other it's people. It's fine to they, hold them accountable. It, you right. know, if if the they want to knock the pharmaceutical industry and become the pharmaceutical industry, it's just all about greed and money. That's all it is. And envy driven. It's envy driven because they're getting a big piece of the pie. Yeah. And, and and I finally came to that understanding too, that with all of the rightful focus on big pharma, you've also got big detox or whatever you want to call it, you know, big alternative medicine that is not trivial. And, you know, 
that stuff is a windfall of profit. If you look at the profit of pharmaceuticals, I know it's obscene, you know, but at least they spent a ton of money in clinical trials that went on for many, many years, all of these other kind of stuff, you know, upfront money. And I'm not, you know, weeping for them or, you know, singing their blues for them. But like we were but talking they, about last alternative year, medicine doesn't do any of that investment. They just throw it out there and name their price. Yeah. Well, look, we were talking about last year, Mike, when you talked about hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine is the pharmaceutical. It's just another part of the pharmaceutical industry. Right. Right. You know, it's not. It's all who recommended it. Yeah. That's what it is. It's all who recommended it that suddenly it's okay, you know, for that. But what I was going to say about Marcus Lamb, the, the, the day that I believe I found out that he was died, that he had died. They're doing, a, it appears to be a new show on Daystar with his wife, and all of a sudden his son was on there. And, and her response was, now it could be slightly pre-recorded before, but it was either on the day of his death or day two, four. She says, well, she says, y'all know that I was a little under the weather, you know, a short bit ago. Uh, she had COVID. She says, and then Marcus got what I had. So he's feeling a little under weather right now. So y'all just say a prayer for him. This is why he's he evidently been on a ventilator or been in ICU for some time. And that's that's outright misleading, deceiving the public. Not that that's a major revelation to you or your audience that these religious leaders would deceive somebody, but it's so blatant. <laughs> it's just so blatant. And, and the audience doesn't ask questions like, well, I've been had, you know, you've been saying all this stuff and I took um, you at your word never, and you have misled never. me on all this. And that's the thing. There's no accountability. No. And that's going to bring me segue to my next thing that I wanted to share with you and talk about just saying things and not, um, I'm going to share this on the screen here. Okay. So can you see my screen? Mm, no. All right. Well, hopefully you can hear this. We can edit this part out. Can you hear this? After Derek and I got married. Yeah. One okay. night. Good. After Derek. All right. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Skywatch, Mike. Okay. Are you going to play the rest of that? Yeah, I'll play it. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit about Skywatch. And, and, and this is something that um, apparently got pretty viral right. on, uh, on social saw, media not too, long, not too on, long ago. I saw it on Newsweek. Yeah. So it really belongs on the Weekly World News. But uh, right. here's, uh, here's Sharon Gilbert on the Jim Baker show. You guys are just going to have to just hear it to believe it, okay? After Derek and I got married, one night, this other Derek appears in our bed. The real Derek is lying down next to me. Other Derek sits right up out of him. It startled me. I knew that was not Derek. And so I asked this critter, who are you? Because he clearly wanted to have 
sexual relations. And I said, he said, come on, I'm your husband. I said, who are you? And he had the nerve to claim to be Ahasuerus, Xerxes. Well, other Derek seriously wanted to invite me to use my free will to do something that was going to pull me away from God. So this last time, I knew he was really desperate. And I asked him again, who are you? He told me the same answer. And I said, I'm not going with you. This was an internal dialogue. Finally, I said, I've had enough in my mind. I reached up. I grabbed his face. And I said, you are a liar. And Jesus is real. And I pulled that face off. And beneath it was a reptile. And he had little creatures with him this time. He brought these little halfling creatures. And they looked like, I don't know, gargoyles. They were very reptilian as well. So beneath that face of Derek was a reptilian serpentine creature, probably similar to what was visiting the Anasazi. Wow. Well, the Bible says. Okay. What does the Anasazi got to do with it? Yeah, that's 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 so, Mike, you heard that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not only have I heard it, but see, I record those shows. <laughs> like the like the full shows, Sophia. So what was the context I, I watch, around it? Yeah, I watch every hour of those. Of which now they're becoming more Home Shopping Network. They actually have like the little crawl at the bottom that you have at Home Shopping Network, and you get some of these guests with this outrageous stuff, and then they just start selling trinkets. The second Mike, half hour of the I, show. I might have to call you a masochist, man. That's. Well, I'm taking bad. one for the team because yeah, it, I'm, I'm saving a lot of this stuff. But is he but, selling the buckets? You know, I haven't seen the buckets lately. It's like <laughs> things have moved on from the survival buckets. Well, if a if a Democrat would win again, maybe the survival buckets will come back out. But the uh, <laughs> the thing is, when I watched the original show, those clips like what you played don't right. even have the whole thing. Right. Uh, she mentioned a little bit more that basically this visitation for sex with this reptilian who said he was Xerxes had gone on for years. It gone on for years and she'd had at least a dozen visits by him. And she also said, if I remember correctly, was that it started right after they started peering into darkness radio, which ironically that show started about three weeks before future quake did back in the spring of 2005. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you've been on on that show. Yeah. You've been on that show. Yeah. Actually it was a long time before I ever ended up on that show and it was many years before they were on ours. But some people I think thought we were twin shows because we have some overlap of guests and stuff like that. Now they wouldn't have some of the political guests I had, but you know, theirs was more exclusively weirdness, but, um, anyway, these by me adding the numbers up and we were in communication with them for years they continued having her visit with xerxes slash reptilian slash other derek for a hazarius i think it was past 2008 because she said 
that Sam T. Dotson, their Dotson they got, which they made famous, he was already there with them for the last few visits. In fact, she was wondering if she was, if Sam T. Dotson was going to bark at Xerxes. And she said in one of them. I would like to point out that Betty of Barney Hill also had a Dachshund. Well, and I, that's really good hope, enough I really, I really hope Dave Metcalf is listening. Right, the correlation <laughs> I'm sure is there, but uh, she said in one of the incidents that Derek walked had just come from the bathroom and walked behind Xerxes. Now, this is the first after. Did all he of look these like years, he did in the in in 300? I I wonder, because <laughs> that would be hard to say no, I guess. But uh, <laughs> especially the, with the eyeliner, yeah, yeah. But actually, I think the one from 300, he would have been more interested in Derek than he would in, in her. But Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, but it's funny that I have never heard this story told. Here it is, 2021. Have you ever heard anything like this? No. And, and I, and I want to say that like people do have weird experiences, and... And we talk a lot about these things. So, I mean, I don't mean to really denigrate it, but well, it's just something it's just something that just gets put out there on this really already fringe show. Well, well and, let me and just, people, let me just people just buy, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I no, just feel no, like it's not yeah. challenged at all. Yeah. No, nobody raises the BS flag up the pole. Yeah. Now, uh the uh the the thing that she described was that like he was awake during it, Derek was, and that he was walking around in the midst of all of it. And the more I heard the descriptions, I thought, do they entertain the possibility that this could have been just a recurring dream? I don't think there was any physical evidence left behind. You know, it wasn't like Rosemary's baby, you know, where she had scratches on her or something afterwards. I mean, there was nothing that would suggest in hindsight that you'd say that this was other than a dream or, or like Ebenezer Cruz Scrooge said a bit of undercooked potato. Mm -hmm. So that was never brought up as a possibility. Like I had some really weird dreams because we were talking about weird stuff every week on PID radio. And because we were talking about weird stuff, I, it's not surprising that I had some weird dreams like this that I have more than once. No, it had to be a full blown sexual attack i guess because in the demon world pid radio was the number one threat to the kingdom of darkness is why they had to tar target them you know just like russ Dizdar, you know i mean the forces of darkness target all of us but usually they're in more mundane ways like having us give in to our flesh and stuff like that that's usually where they had the victory but, you know, I'm jealous. These people have really flamboyant spiritual attacks, and I don't have anything like that. Well, the thing, the, the thing is, is that it's it, it adding the reptilian thing, I think, is like kind of the. The, the really weird thing for me, because that just seems to just really so having appeal sex, having to the Xerxes is OK with you. Well, you were no, totally saying, in on it with that <laughs> up until that point, Adam. I, I, well, I'm just saying that it's like it, it's something that appeals to that conspiracy crowd. Yeah. And it furthers along that narrative. Well, it certainly now, keeps them now connected maybe to she, it. Maybe through the dream, she was kind of having some kind of weird spiritual experience. I'm not going to necessarily yeah. discount that. Right. But, 
but I, I it's wasn't obvious there. the way that they're using this. And then, yeah, like Sir Fiel said, what the hell does this Anasazi have to do with this? I guess that's something that was not, uh, that's taken out of context. But th- I think that this is just one of those things that where, you know, people believe these incredibly bizarre things. And they can just say this stuff and people will just see it yeah. as just absolutely and completely normal. Mm-hmm. And when you think about someone like the guy that last year blew up part of downtown Nashville. Right. And he was apparently into the reptilians stuff. You know, people are going to take this stuff seriously. Yeah. I mean, maybe for Sharon, you know, she doesn't think too much of it. It's just something that happened to her, but people are going to listen to this stuff and they're going to, they're going to take it to heart. I was up here at a Mexican restaurant that you've been before with me. And I was waiting for a friend of ours to come. And it was a pastor sitting across from me and his wife. They started talking about the reptilians. Yeah. I mean, a pastor and his wife talking about it. And then they were talking about how, um, you know, their ma- the first thing out of their mouth was about all of the Democrats and pedophile ring that they were all running. That was the first mm-hmm. thing they didn't even know who I was. I mean, it's like that was their hello. <laughs> Worried about the pedophile ring the Democrats were running. And that's the thing. Ten years ago, maybe even five years ago, would we have heard this type of stuff coming out of these people's mouths? Heavens no. Now they may have talked about the communist or, you know, some infiltration or something. But you know, I now look at that's the good old days. Just hearing about, you know, John Birch communist thing, you know. Hopefully we'll get back to those days of just well old yeah. old fashioned paranoia. Not it's not like the re- the religion now has to transform to keep up with the politics. The politics is being paramilitarized and the religion is being paranormalized. Yeah, well said. And, and there's another element too they have to keep up with, and that is the lower attention span and higher entertainment factor that people demand. Back when I was growing up, you even even weirdness, you got a book and you oh, yeah. you went and and they were dry books. And if you wanted to read about whether it was Bible prophecy or UFOs or whatever, you had to be very patient. And it took you a long time to find the stuff. And you actually read and studied and all this stuff. Well, now people want they want pizzazz. They want a video game where you got multiple things happening on the screen at once. So they also have to meet that entertainment quotient. So, um, but you know, in, and I don't mean to pick on the Pentecostal world or brothers and sisters there, but they're used to that because every week they have to outdo what they did last Sunday because people lose interest. If you, if you don't have a bigger sign and wonder this week, well, I guess the glory's passed from you. You don't have the anointing anymore. And so, they were sort of accustomed to figuring out how do we pull a rabbit out of a hat? Like stay tuned for next week. And so these people have been sort of trained in that Tom Horn has, you know, the whole crowd, they've learned how to keep people on the edge of their seats. And so, but that is something that's driving it getting really, really weird, really, really fast is that you're not going to keep a crowd unless you do that. Right. Like the old the old prophecy buffs, like you mentioned Jimmy DeYoung and the guys of his generation, they'd be very, very frustrated today because they can't keep a crowd. 
they would methodically talk through passages and they might talk about something that happened in Israel and they're building the temple and they got this. And well, that's just not, it's like, where's the Nephilim? Where's the giants or the midgets? Either one. Give me something. Yeah. It's not sexy enough. Right. Right. It's like when we went, you know, we talked about the guidestones with you and all the research that we did. No one has paid attention to that, Mike, because it's not sexy enough. Yeah. Right. It's just for grownups. And we have a jump the shark society. You know, we got to get Fonzie jumping over <laughs> shark on water skis in his jacket. But, but, you know, next week he'll jump three sharks and a dinosaur. It's really, it's really scary when you have like the person that you're talking about, this pastor that is talking about this stuff that you would only hear in like these fringe conspiracy circles. And he didn't even know who I was. That was his introduction. See, here's another thing. And then we got, then we got, you know. Greg Locke out here, you know, talking about conspiracy's greatest hits, talking about Freemasonry. Well, he's got it. He's got the same pressure. He's got to keep people fascinated. So he's got to make government and everybody else the enemy. And that's why he says these flamboyant things like you show up with a mask and I will escort you to the door. And, you know, Shane Claiborne went there and did such before I got a chance to do it. And of course he backed down, you know, he, he was too chicken to do it, but, but they got to keep upping the ante all the time. But, you know, you talking about that pastor that I saw who I didn't know. First thing the the thing that I normally hear now from people that I know where it's going to go, because I talk to people at the gas station pumping gas or so, you know, cold call. And the, they'll start saying, you know, what you guys know about, about, about this, about Dr. Future, he will literally talk to anyone. <laughs> Well, you find out fascinating things when you do. Keep your ears open. But, you know, now I start hearing all the time, well, I'm just worried where this country's going. I don't know. And then it's like I want them to elaborate. Well, tell me, what what is it you're worried about it? And, you know, when I first began my book, if you remember at the very beginning of this last book I did, I wrote about my experience in line with the old people getting ready to vote. Right. And, and and they were just talking about how grim they were, you know, and worried about things. And I asked them to elaborate, and they said, it's best that I not tell you more. And that's how scary things are getting. It's like we're living the X-Files, and everybody else is in it but us. Or, or, or like Green Acres. If you remember Green Acres, where everybody in Hooterville got it except Mr. Douglas. And Mr. Douglas is like going, what? What is and everybody understood each other except him. I feel like Mr. Douglas these days. It's like you're saying you actually believe that. It's like you have no evidence or proof or any reason to. And everybody else said, "Well, yeah." Well, this well, is yeah, the world. These are people I know. And this you know, is the Adam, world. People you and I know and had higher respect for. Yep. They're you know those of us like you and me. They're getting to be less and less of us. This is the world that social media has made. Too much communication. Where, Well, where's any discernment? You know, it reminds me of an old song by the Guess Who. You know, it says, too many churches, not enough truth. You know, and, and, and that's the thing is they've sort of outdone themselves, you know, on uh, we've got all these edifices for stuff, but we don't have valued content. 
we we don't have content that is worthy and been vetted that's worthy our time and consideration. But uh, you know, when I talked to that couple I was telling you about just in the few minutes before uh, our friend Mark arrived, um, when he said something about all of the um, um, pedophiles, you know, the Democrats, I said, well, where are they congregating? He says, well, you know, under the pizza parlor. And and his wife, pastor's wife, said, "Yeah." She said, "I've done my research on it. That's where they're meeting." And I said, "I said, well, you know, the during the assault on the Capitol, their communication on their phones that they recorded was saying that they were trying to gas all of the um, all of the congressmen in the tunnels, and that they were going to free all the children that the congressmen were molesting inside the tunnels." And they're like, "Yeah." You're exactly right. That's what they were going to do. So we've got pastors believing that there's pedophiles doing, but now let's think about. Let that sink in, folks. Let that sink in. Well, think about what (laughs) ahead of that, what folks like at at Raider Skywatch are writing about the, the testes of the Washington Monument. Remember that? And all the secret rituals that are going down in that that are connected to the, you know, woman's orifice connected to the Capitol and all this stuff. You know, it's a slippery slope. It all goes right into this stuff. So, you know, I just sort of kept sort of leading them on to find out more what they believed. And it got deeper and deeper and deeper. And poor Mark walks in the middle of all this and he's like, what the heck are y'all talking about? And I didn't want to drag him long, but boy, they were filling my ears with this stuff. And the pastor was saying, well, he had lost a pastorate for a while, so he had time to do his research. And that's where he was able to discover all this. He said he had learned more than all of his years in seminary and teaching and everything by learning, you know, by the stuff that he'd found on Facebook. Now, I will say to be fair, I felt like I learned a whole lot of stuff around 2005, 2007, 9, you know, even some stuff that Alex Jones pointed out. I never even broached any of those topics, false flag, other kind of thing, even though I think he's he basically got bought out. He found what side had money and he's no longer beyond the left right paradigm. He found one of those sides had money and he went to it. But having said that. I have been in the shoes of discovering a lot of things that I hadn't been exposed to before we had the internet, before there was not even a way to know that there was research. But I would like to think as the years went by that I continue to do vetting of the information and that the more elaborate a claim somebody makes, the higher our standards should be of vetting that information. And if it's something that can hurt people or kill them, then we really need to make a really high standard to make sure that they're right before we do something that can actually harm other people. Well, we have uh, been exploring what has happened in 2021. And pretty boring year. Yeah, we're already getting uh, past the two hour mark. Uh, if you guys are okay with that, I think we might want to wrap this up and maybe on the Patreon we'll talking about we'll talk about maybe what we think 2022 has in store and uh, make some predictions from the mouth of Doctor Future. Yeah, do you want to stick with us on that, Mike? Yeah. Okay. We can go. We can go for it. Cool.
Yeah, I just I I just want to say that just like um it is really you know getting scarier and scarier out there. It really is. And we and when these people that just like you know grandma now has and I've said this before. Grandma now is like talking about stuff that like right. We were talking about 20 years ago. And we were really just kind of facetiously laughing at it 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. We weren't serious about it. Right. But now they've taken it completely serious. Right. And I think that the pandemic in some ways has a way to blame because when people got stuck at home, they just got on the internet. They got on that. The whole media. kind of thing Eric Davis talks about. Yeah, the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Eric Davis, we uh, perfectly encapsulated that people yeah. just have become, they've gone down their, um, what do you call that? The Chapel Perilous. Chapel Perilous. Yeah. But that's what they've come down. And, but also too, like people have become along with that, though, people have become radicalized. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you undo it. You know, I I've used in the, in the past only slightly tongue in cheek about referring to a lot of these you know, Trumpers and, and the people since then is being like a version of the Manson girls because they anybody who is like an authority that actually is a serious credentialed person to explain what's going on in the world, they believed was fake news. And it was only what their messianic figure told them is what they believed. And that's why it was frustrating at trial. Because these girls were so detached from reality other than just whatever Charlie told them. And I feel like we're sort of in a case like that now. You know, the other thing I feel, and I've used this analogy too before, particularly now, I mean, we we may not have seen the worst of COVID. Cases are going back up. Michigan is in absolute worst crisis they've had. New Hampshire is in worst crisis they've had. And it's because the weather's gotten colder a little faster than it has here. So we don't know what all we're out of the woods yet with this. But I also think how people have responded to health officials trying to help keep them alive was just like what the Okinawan people did when the American GIs landed there in World War II. And the Japanese had t- soldiers had told them that American soldiers would eat them and their children if they caught them. And here the American GIs were trying to save them. And they're using the loudspeaker saying, look, we're here to save you. But they had already been brainwashed by the Japanese that don't fall for that because they really want to eat you. And so right within short space of distance from where these soldiers are trying to rescue them, these people are grabbing their children and jumping off the cliffs. And I really think that's what we're seeing in this COVID thing. I mean, there's what could be more tragic, you know, are people like Heaven's Gate cult people or Jonestown. I mean, I I think the the whole anti-vax movement here is going to go right in line with the Heaven's Gate, Jonestown, um, David Koresh of just needless death due to confusion, brainwashing and just being really messed up. Well, and my question for the past few years has really been for the um, for the secular right wing people and libertarians 
Um, are you really willing to, you know, throw in with these religious fanatic theocrat insane people? You know, I'm, I'm not either, I'm not libertarian or, or right wing, yeah. you know, I'm definitely socially libertarian, in most things. Yeah. But, um, you know, is, are these people going to be your allies? I mean, do they really, does their vision align with your ideals? Um, I, I don't think it does most of the time. So be careful. You know, if you think this is worth it and you can just use these people and, and be in control, it's going to get out of your yeah. control really quick. Right. Right. Well, both of them should be asking that about themselves. Like e even like a true authentic Christian person should say, do you really want to be with a totally atheist or, or you know, Ayn Rand yeah, kind I'm, of libertarian if you're yeah. a, if a Christian? I mean, both of them are disingenuous. It's like it's like the Christians and the Zionists in Israel. They have a similar unholy pact and they're exploiting each other. The Christians want to, at least some of them, want to convert them to Christianity, and the Temple Institute people and others want to take the money from the Christians to do their own thing, and they both wink at each other like they like at each other, and then at least the Temple Institute people, as I've documented, they curse them as soon as they leave. And, but they have this unholy pact of convenience of you could call it coopetition or, you know, frenemies or whatever. But I guess they think they can make a ribbon trough pact. You know, and those pacts don't stick to, you know, they can divide and conquer together on the opposite sides of the aisle. But it never lasts forever because one of them want to be king of the hill eventually. Yeah. But in the meantime, they lose any kind of credibility of whether you agree with their values or not. You can at least respect someone who is consistent to their values. But you can't even do that anymore with these people. They're not even not even consistent in it. Well, Dr. Future, I want to thank you for coming on and, and being a part of this. We're going to get your thoughts about 2022 and really, I, I really want to get your thoughts about 2022 and beyond, really, not just. Yeah. 2022 but uh because i think honestly i think that this decade is already shaping out to be turbulent uh to say the least so we'll get your thoughts on yeah. that on the patreon yeah. side and i don't think you're going to be able to put the toothpaste back in the tube <laughs> no i definitely <laughs> like we're just that. not going to go back to the good old days it, right. it's one of those like it's like a cage match only one person leaves and I don't think people are going to like in the middle of the bloody uh, battle, just stop and laugh and hug each other and say, what were we doing? And, you know, let's pretend this never happened. I don't see that any more than what is it? Is it Goder Damarung or Ragnarok or whatever you call it there in their mythology over there? You know, it's the last battle of the end. That's how everybody's in that frame of mind. You know, whether it's my mailman, whether it's my neighbor's church folk, my family members, everybody's ready for the final battle. Little yeah. do they know the suffering that's going to go on. Right. The build up to the, they, it all looks fun and sexy, but they don't really realize what's really going to go on. Uh, if you don't mind uh, a little bit of my cheap exploitation, if anybody wants to hear a little bit more in a more orderly manner, rather than just some old grumpy guy sounding off like I've been doing tonight, if you can check out my book, Two Masters and Two Gospels, Volume 1, 
the teaching of Jesus versus the leaven of the Pharisees and talk radio and cable news. A lot of the roots of this are in that book. I mean, I, I wrote that when the election was going on, the first one, and wrote about what happened in like the first two years, which seems like a million years ago. But the values in there, I try to put it together a little bit more orderly than me spouting off here. So if anybody wants to check it out, you can find that at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or go to MikeBennettBooks.com or AkribosPress.com. And the Two Spies Report blog, I am hopefully this week going to start resuming some postings there, some long-winded postings. And I got a whole lot of stuff on different dimensions of this that I need to finish up to get uploaded there. And then I'm going to try to get volume two wrapped up on this. But be be expecting to see some new blog posts here in the very, very next, hopefully, few days. Yeah. And also, Mike, um, you know, the Future Quake episodes are still all up there. Yeah. And Even the ones that I denounce, they're still there. And eventually, I guess you will be returning to the podcast world. That's, that's I guess that's still in under construction at the moment ran into some complications on something it's nothing diabolical or mysterious it was just a practicality of um i can't do it myself i'm gonna have to have help and do other stuff and there were some matters that will take a little while to get taken care of um it's just a very practical issue uh it's buying me some time to try to get these other books out so maybe right when we're getting hot and heavy with the new um the new election. I mean, summer of 2023 is when they're going to start the Republican debates and the Democrat ones. And that's when they start spending all this money that they've been accumulating. So just think what they're going to be saying then. It will probably make Marjorie Taylor Greene clutch her pearls when she hears some of this stuff. All right, Mike. Thank you so much, guys. Um, this has been uh, it's been an awesome year. Um this pretty much is it for Conspiracy Normal 2021. However, we will be doing our annual year in review show at the end of this month. And uh, we'll let you know some of the things that we have, uh, you know, review our episodes that we've had all throughout the year. And also what we're going to be doing to 2022. We've got some exciting announcements that we're going to make. So stay tuned for that uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. But uh, Sergio can tell you guys where... If you want to help support our show and we are going to be doing a little extra segment with Mike about what he thinks about is coming up in 2022 and beyond, you can find it on our Patreon and Surfiel can find, can tell you where to go for, to find that. You can find that at patreon.com slash conspiranormal. We have a new episode up every week uh, with additional material that you won't find on the normal podcast feed. Uh, that is for our members of the International Association of Conspiranormalists and up uh, to $10 level. You get to join our Mystic Crew uh, where we have a monthly hangout that will also get you uh, entrance into our Strange Realities monthly speaker engagement that we are going to have uh, very soon. Probably the first one probably be in February, but we'll have some other stuff uh, for the Mystic Crew to do. Uh, the Mystic Crew will have special honors at all those events, of course. And for $20 and up, you get to join the Ancient Circle of Strange Realities and get an exclusive T-shirt uh, and um, a special experience at the Strange Realities Conference every year. 
Uh, we look forward to that next year, but uh, we're going to have this little kind of mini strange realities every month with that uh, monthly speaker engagement. So uh, check that out at patreon.com slash conspiranormal. All right. Hey, uh, hey yeah. Sirfield, can I ask you, do you have any survival food that they get as part of that as well? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's coming. We've got a, we got someone working in the, in the kitchen right now. Broccoli and cheese. Well, if you don't have any gas mask, I've just noticed Skywatch TV still has gas masks there. So if anybody okay. needs them. I was yeah, just at the uh, Army Surplus store today, actually. So. <laughs> well, just a suggestion. All right, guys. I want to thank uh, Dr. Future, Surfiel, and uh, you guys. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks to close out 2021 for our year in review on channel, Conspiranormal Podcast.